Hi everybody, welcome back to the PTC podcast here today with uh, Mark Doherty, another lad from back home, the old country, and Tomas Young, who's also from the old country. How you doing, James? How you doing, Mark? I'm great, thank you for having me. Yeah, no worries. You're um, you're an idol around here. Your name is spoken in the in the ether of of nutrition. Tomas is a big big fan. Um, I know you guys were on the same course together, was it? Is that how you know each other? Yeah, we were, Chris introduced me to Mark about two years ago when we were doing the IOPN together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we about that. And then I started to, I was one of Mark's clients as well, yeah, for a little while. Oh, you, that's the secret between before your no, your that pink, was, that was, your that pink was, shirt to your that was to well, that was well, well, <laughs> <laughs> that was a three year, that that's where he got a six ago. pack, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and his wife. Then he, uh, yeah, then, yes, then he got uh, married. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, then it went all downhill. Yeah. <laughs> you basically owe him everything. <laughs> yes, absolutely. No wonder the name is so, so famous. Held in, yeah, such high esteem. Um, do you want to, Mark, do you want to just briefly introduce yourself? Um, how you are now, the nutrition guy? Okay, cool. So basically, um, my father put me in a gym at the age of 15. I was super sporty growing up, did every type of sport you can think of, from football, martial arts, uh, long distance running if there was a sport I did it then my father put me in a gym at 15 um, for lifting weights and over the space of two years the age I was 17 I was I was pretty um, like a little geek reading absolutely everything so within two years I knew a lot about nutrition a lot about training and I, I was very interested in the bodybuilding route and then as things progressed I just um, at 17, got my first fitness qual- qualification and started working right away in the PT industry, um, which was <coughs> 30 years ago. Um, so then I progressed. I just did qualification upon qualification. I, I My nutrition route started with a guy called Ben Comer, body type nutrition. Ben's very well known in the UK. Back then, he was super well known. Um, I did his first course. I got... I got the highest in the in the class and then I became on and worked for his company I was their body composition specialist because at the time I was still working with bodybuilders um, right from the start um, so I was brought on to to basically help anybody with contest prep and also he had an education course as well so I taught part of the um, like peak week for bodybuilding uh, fat loss supplements was one of the stuff, one of the things I taught on this education course. But what I got at the time was a lot of females coming in who were put on 800 calorie diets. This was way back, maybe 15 years ago. Anyway, things progressed on. I did more and more nutrition qualifications, um, Mac Nutrition, which is an excellent course. And I then I, I, I did a lot of um, body composition stuff as well or body um, uh, biomechanics, sorry, um, because I'm still interested in the training side. I flew to America to do the N1 course. Then I did the RTS. I'm doing an R- RTS in April. Uh, I did IOPN, which is a phenomenal course, as Thomas really will say. Phenomenal, phenomenal course. Um, and then I decided last year, maybe I'll just back off now. I've done enough study. I don't need to learn anything else in nutrition. But I realized... When I stop studying, maybe it's my age, my brain just comes to mush. And it's the point where, like, I've learned so much in the last 30 years. I think my brain just keeps the stuff I need to apply and then gets rid of the, mm. the more in-depth stuff. I don't know if that's a good thing. It depends who I'm talking to. It depends who I'm dealing with, what type of client. 
So I decided that I actually want to go back and, and continue studying nutrition. So I actually, I just do it myself. So I am hunting to do a PhD. So I'm in talks. <laughs> I'll not say too much about it yet because it all falls through. Um, but I just want to do it. I, I just feel I have to go deep, deep into nutrition. And to be honest, it's something I always wanted to do, but I feel social media is full of absolute rubbish now. And certain people are either going to believe what you know now, and even a PhD, they still won't believe you if they believe some clown on social media. And there's so many of them. Um, and science is getting absolutely destroyed from cherry-picked evidence through to um, biased opinions. It's just getting crazy out there. Why did you? Why do you reckon you went into nutrition? Was it just purely like down the bodybuilding route, get the body yeah. composition, and then you just lit a spark in you and you just went? Yeah, yeah. So, I I actually, it's funny enough because I I, I feel like I specialized in both training and nutrition, um, and that's why I went on still do biomechanics course, and that's why I'm going to do another biomechanics course in April. Um, yes, it just it just was my cup of tea, and I was from a fairly young age around some top bodybuilders in Ireland and I was learning and I was just good at picking it up and I was really good at maths in school um, I did A level maths and did quite well so I think that's why I'm good with macros and counting and that's the type of thinker I am and I was just good at it so the first gym I started in this was way before there was personal trainers and the first gym I started in me and my best buddy and the way it worked, this is crazy, but PTs don't get this now. They, they do their qualification and they come out and they're lucky if they work with five or six people in a year. Whereas the, the gym I worked in, we had, I worked say for five, six hours. Each hour I had a client come in, I had to measure them, I had to take their blood pressure, I had to take them around the program, I had to write them a quick nutrition plan and they would have came back four weeks later to get reassessed. So I would have worked through 100 clients. So I got a lot of experience just seeing what yeah. works, what doesn't. And, and no matter what anybody says, right, you've got what is, if we if we ask what is it being evidence-based, and evidence-based for me is three things. Is number one, knowing the, the current scientific literature and keeping up to date with that. And number two is anecdotal evidence, is your experience. And the more and more people you work with, and over the last 30 years, is I don't think there is one situation or scenario that I haven't worked with. It's funny when I go on a call with someone, oh, would you hear this? You won't believe what I, and I go, I work with about a hundred of you. You know, like from bodybuilders to professional athletes to top amateurs to different sports. Um, every sport I've probably worked with throughout the years. And then from general population body composition right through to general population health. And we'll, they always talk about you've got a scope of practice, but the problem is, is when someone comes to me and goes, Mark, I've got such and such, but I've worked with a dietitian, I've been to doctors, and I'm not going to turn someone away. I'm going to help them to my best of ability. Now, I do work within the scope of practice. Now, if I work with a client and I look at the blood work and say, look, you need to see an endocrinologist. Obviously, if someone's injured, they'll see a physio. But, um, yeah, so I think that's, that's most of my background. So in all those years of your studies, it's uh, you're talking about quite a lot, like a, a quite a lot of years. Is it all teaching you the same stuff? Is it teaching you new stuff? Are you going down different avenues? Like are you following a keto course one time and then a sports performance course, yeah. or is it just nutrition and 
like you're over you're 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 learning things you either didn't know or you're learning the newer way of doing it like well how is there so much to learn um <laughs> that's a good question so as far as the science goes there's a lot of scientific literature and things change but to be honest like I could walk away now from study. I could have walked. I didn't even have to do the IOPN. What I what I picked up and learned was enough to get phenomenal results with clients through um, body composition or performance athletes. I just I just learned it. But I think there's always a little bit of icing on the cake. And then I think like if you're a professional, if you have a passion for what you do, you always have to keep up to date. So why would someone come with you? Like, for example. Some people come to me, oh, my doctor told me this 10 or 15, or my doctor told me this, and maybe it's just something they picked up 10 or 15 years ago. But the thing is, is people say, you're not a doctor. And I say, look, probably about 10 of my current clients are doctors, and some are very specialists, and some will say, right, Mark, we don't really learn a lot in nutrition. So, so I'll give an example. Um, the MAC nutrition, if any PT wants to do nutrition, I would tell them to do MAC nutrition because MAC nutrition covers a fair in-depth range from evidence-based nutrition and it goes into special populations like diabetes, cholesterol and stuff like that. And it also covers a little bit about performance athletes. But the ION, IOPN, covers a lot more. Um, so... Did I really learn stuff? It, w it was more like perfecting my skills. And and will I learn stuff for why do I want to do a PhD? It's probably, it, it's more for me now. It's not for, um, right, I've got this qualification, that qualification. It's more just I've got a passion for it and I have to do it. It's like my wife's a singer. She has to sing. And I have to train, same thing. Um. So from... You're talking all of that experience that you've got, like t coaching people with the doctors. Are they clients of yours for their learning from you, or you're helping them with their health and their nutrition plans? They're eating the foods, or, or it's like a lesson. Yeah. So I work with a range of clients on a different different scale. With these doctors and clients, it's more so with helping them with their nutrition, helping them improve body composition, not for their learning. I work with a lot of coaches and I met there a lot of coaches more for their learning. So the thing is, is number one, to keep them in shape because they want to stay in shape, give them accountability and support. But number two is a lot of coaches will message, right, Mark, I've got this client who's got a nutritional issue. What will I do? So it just depends on the client. The, the doctors and that clientele are more so they just want to get in shape, stay in shape. And, and they're pretty open-minded to actually admit, right, we don't know everything about nutrition. We, we learn this. And to be honest, if we look at it, and what I'd like to class myself as, as a nutritional scientist, this is why I want to keep doing that road. And, and like some people just don't understand that if you want to learn nutrition, you've got to listen to nutritional scientists. Look at Alan Oregon, look at Elaine Norton, you know, Martin McDonald. Like these are the people we should be listening to. Not a lot of these influencers on social media are coming out with a lot of terrible information. Yeah, even on that, like, after working with Mark, I learned a lot from Mark and I still pop into his DMs all the time asking him questions for advice on how to deal with certain things and with certain clients that I haven't had experience with. So learning from other people and getting a coach and experiencing those other things is a really good way for coaches to keep learning and keep progressing. 
like how you feel like yeah and, and it's good like um because i love seeing this yeah. so if a coach comes to me and say right mark i want to learn like i love that because i know they're passionate and i know that like the reason we're passionate in what we do is because we do want to help others at the end of the day that's yeah. that's our job uh, and if we look at nutrition and health and training what are we actually doing we're actually helping people improve their health live longer you know they've much better quality of life yeah. so there's also a big difference between when you're helping a coach and you're helping general public like a general general everyday person who doesn't know this stuff you have to you have to trim it right down to almost the layman's terms talking layman's yeah. terms and you give that same speech over and over again when it's someone like you guys are having a conversation you can now you can go deep into the vault yeah. of the intricacies of it and you can start you know pulling out i sometimes get carried away when i'm talking to other coaches you know because you're talking about the injury it is the, the pain the whatever yeah, yeah i'm like am i is that have i gone too far where have i gone with this are yeah, you yeah. with me have i lost yeah. you like <laughs> yeah i i feel like um the way you talk to a certain client is really important obviously if i taught that coach i'm going to go really in depth so they they have a deep understanding but I, if we're like talking for example social media we're trying to like Instagram, we've got a 90 second reel to break down in-depth topics into something that, and I always believe is it Albert Einstein says it, if, if you can't explain it there for you, I don't know. Yeah, yeah you can't so explain it you don't know. Yeah, well you don't know yourself. what you're talking yeah. about. So the, at the end of the day, you want to break this down and the client goes, so for example, I did a video the other day on insulin resistance, or insulin resistance and insulin spikes doesn't stop you losing body fat and stuff but i had to break it down and go right boom because so many of my clients go oh i want to prevent uh, insulin spikes and going right why <laughs> uh right because i read this and go okay and this whole um fad stuff of like intermittent fasting and then like the thing is is if a client is training right so we're all work with clients who's training they're either doing weight training three times a week they're doing cardio so they're training like an athlete whether they're competing or not so they still should feel like an athlete so would i ever have a client or an athlete on intermittent fasting absolutely not now the three things to um being evidence-based as i was said was your your knowledge on science your anecdotal um, knowledge was your experience and the reason why that's so important is because the science the scientific studies might have a certain group but we know like not everybody fits into these groups. Yeah. And then the third most important thing is preference of client. So back to the client goes, I want to turn vegan. Is that really a preference or is that something they just read? So what you're trying to explain to them is, look, you can still eat meat and be super healthy and just as healthy as somebody. Ah, okay. I like meat. Okay. Well, we can keep it in your diet. Uh, you know, you can still have breakfast and be as healthy as someone that, oh, really? I love breakfast, so why are you cutting it out? Yeah. Right? So it's all like... They've watched one video or one documentary and they're like... On Netflix. This, has, oh to this has to be my life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And much of it, though, is psychological because that's like where I think I tapped out of nutrition back in the day. Firstly, I remember being in the gym. I played rugby forever, so I knew all the machines did my qualification and certification thing. So I had the basics, all that done. I'm like, I'm fresh in the gym. It's three months, whatever. People are asking me for nutrition advice. I remember standing, talking to someone saying, I just eat your leafy greens and your, cause I hadn't got a clue. Like mm. I know, I absolutely know it. I'm just trying to bluff my way out, out of this <laughs> chat and go do the pool test, do you know? Absolutely hated it. And then that's kind of where you learn what you like, what you don't like at, at the start of your career, which way you're going to go. And I, whatever way I went down the injury rehab and then, I joke about this now, 
like yeah I, I i appreciate the incredible importance of nutrition and diet it's a massive pillar it's mm -hmm. one of our pillars of our whole the whole business here but it's just not for me i can't do it i've read some books i can talk to people like over a pint mm -hmm. but when it comes to now i need help i'm thinking if it was that easy we could all just go on google and go food plan for a 55 year old lady who works nine to five control print all right cool cheers it's obviously not that easy you'll get the, you'll get your food plan but it's not that easy and for me i just didn't have any interest in unpacking that puzzle and working migrating through what these people's having uh why they have sugar cravings at night time why yeah. do they go to food first thing in the morning why have they been told but why are they believe in this person on social media i just i'm like no talk to tomas <laughs> yeah yeah so <coughs> the thing is is when you deal with any client as a nutritionist you had to look at physiological and psychological and to be honest probably psychological anything is 80 yeah, percent physiological is 20. so the thing is is you're trying to you're trying to convince that person in their mind we know that mindset far outweighs everything we know there's a placebo effect to certain <coughs> things but as an example of physiological so i have about a million case studies in my head i can talk about physiological i had a guy who owns a gym in ireland and um, this is very recently he came says mark i'm a binge eater i'm binging at night and I'm going right. Let me see your let me see your nutrition plan. It was almost like intermittent fasting in the morning. And you looked at the amount of performance. He was underfueling, and then you know physiological. We could go really deep in about liver yeah. glycogen, muscle glycogen, liver glycogen depletes overnight. So you're looking, going right. He's not replenished liver glycogen. Then he's going in. So we know that his binging. I know that his binging at night was physiological. He thought it was psychological. Right, right, nice. interesting. Right? Yeah. And within three days. This guy came back, oh, Mark, your God, what are you doing? And it just because physiologically I knew what he was doing wrong. So what did you do? Then, what, what did you, what did you so I just fueled him. I put like lots of extra carbs in. And the funny thing is he freaked out when he seen the diet. I had him eating a large breakfast. Um, I'm a huge fan of nutrient timing, pre, uh, like pre-training, post-training nutrition for everybody if they train. I still class everybody. So if someone comes to me, they're probably coming to me initially to improve body composition, lose fat, gain muscle, just be healthier. So I still think it's really important to have carbs pre and post training, look at recovery. Um, I still think for a lot of people having plenty of carbs during the day and having enough food in each meal prevents sugar craving because you're trying to control blood, blood sugar cravings throughout the day. So a lot of people when you look at the psychological, when you start explaining and teaching them, this, you just can't say, right, do this, do this. You have to be able to educate them on what you're doing, why you're doing it, why their body's fluctuating in water. And then when they start learning the science, they go, oh, okay. And then they psychologically start coming over. And then you're trying to develop a better relationship with food, which is a huge one now, because then people are doing keto. Then people are coming off the back of keto, rebounding. Oh, I can't eat carbs again. I keep getting weight on. I did a video about this. It's coming out on Instagram soon. Uh, then intermittent fasting. And they're wondering why they're starving at night. They might last for two or three months. and then it do, it like So what we're trying to do is we're trying to improve psychological behavior because we know habits and behaviors are really important for adhering to a goal. And most importantly for me, right, when anybody comes to me, I tell them, there's two most important things. People want to come for physique, but number one is health. And optimal health means physiological and psychological health. Having a good relationship with food is in there. And 
Number two is performance, making sure someone performs well. And for me, it's not about the before and after photo, it's the after after. So if this client, if you can't educate this client on how to maintain results, because we know everybody can do a diet, but we know the percentage of diet fails. Diet fails because people don't have the education. And the crazy thing about this is so many people come, oh, Mark, I worked with a nutritionist and done this. And so, so what did you do after the diet? What? It was like, it's like, it's like, where do these people learn their stuff? Where are they getting their qualifications? What are they learning? Um, so, yeah. And with the, in terms of the, as you said, he was binging in the evening. That's definitely something that I'm trying to get across to a lot of our members is the fueling and the ghrelin build up over the day, the fueling, having your breakfast before you come in to train. And when they do it, they notice a big difference, not open, not only in their training, yeah. it, the performance, but their energy throughout the day. million percent. Yeah. And they'll do it for a few weeks and then they'll stop. Yeah. It's trying to get them to keep doing it and make it a habit and make it a routine. Yeah. That's and, the, the, and the thing about that is some people think, oh, it takes two to three weeks to develop a habit. We it's that's not true we know it's like it could take on average up to 66 days there was um a study by Leila, maybe so we know it takes a lot longer so what we got to do is as fitness professionals as support make someone countable until they do it long enough yeah so then they're they're doing it just in their sleep they're waking up they're feeling great they're losing body fat they're maintaining they go on a holiday and they come back and go mark i don't put any weight on because uh, you develop good habits and behaviours you don't need to track food all the time they learn how to be mindful around that so for me there's a whole lot of like parts of the puzzle and the way I look at it is if someone comes to me and they want to learn it doesn't matter who they are um, I want to just imagine they're put on the planet earth and I'm going to have to learn them everything in my head from flexible or from tracking food flexible dieting mindful eating all the tools in the in the in the box that they can use from time to time and and the reason i'm saying this is because i remember about four or five years ago a crossfit and an elite crossfit athlete came to me right mark i want to lose fat and perform great okay uh i'll write you uh a nutrition plan or a meal plan to give you an example of what i would do which would have new nutrition she, no just give me macros i'm amazing at it okay give her macros seven days later she came back and goes oh mark i feel like shit i'm not performing well i'm not sleeping well so okay i'll write you a meal plan with the exact same macros within a week 10 days mark what the hell like the people don't have, so i never ever assume that someone knows what they're mm. doing until i take them through my process what you said something a few minutes ago which which i think so when I'm talking to people in the gym, we're like, look, one of the things we'll have to get to is the nutrition. And like, oh, I'm, my food is okay. I say 99% of people ha- whisper that sentence. My food is okay. Yeah. I'm not too bad. It's like, all right. Then when you start to dig into it, I'm like, all right, there's loads of room for improvement here. But again, talk to Tomas because he loves it. To you, what does a bad relationship with food look like for somebody? Someone who may be listening to this or yeah. somebody who just... They're not quite in the lane of, oh, shit, I actually need to change. They're over here going, oh, no, I'm grand. Yeah, yeah. That, that's probably one of the most common things you see is under-feeling, under-eating all week and then smashing the calories. So it's almost like a diet binge mentality. And even though they think they don't have it, a lot of them do have it when you look deep in. And then a lot don't know how to just structure their food during the day, um, like having carbs, pre- and post-training. Um, and a huge, huge one is it's not just about 
a lot of times we talk about calories in, calories out, but a lot of time we talk about the food quality as well. So when we, because we're trying to go back to what's the, the top of that triad, which is health. So we're talking about food quality because we want micronutrients for health. We want fiber, which we know helps sustain blood sugar. We know helps with cholesterol. So when we look at it, when we look at this, they, they don't, 99, and it's crazy, right? You think this is general population. You'd be shocked at the amount of coaches I've worked with mm. yeah. and do their nutrition. Bet, yeah. Oh, my God. And these are people who are putting stuff on, on social media and Instagram. Oh, my God. And then I work with them and go, oh, shit, these people don't know. So general population. And the problem then is the bombardment, and that's exact word I'd use, with absolute misinformation, myths that spread now on social media and people don't know what to do. So they're trying this, trying that. And never getting any success and, and and the relationship with food is just when they go on a diet they lose fat they put the fat back on and then they try another one and, and keto's, keto is a perfect example mm. so someone goes on keto they they lose and this is a lot of coaches and female coaches we have worked with in the industry in the last few years some muppets have put them on keto and everything else which we'll talk about soon um they've lost weight then they have put the weight back on and they can never get it right how to get the carbohydrates back in. So their relationship with food is absolutely shocking. I think uh, a lot of a lot of people now are looking at Instagram and they're seeing all the, the bodybuilders and all the coaches promoting body recomposition. What would you say is the best approach to body recomposition? Is it lose all the body fat first? and then go into a build phase, or would you yeah. go lose a bit of body fat, build, lose, build, and yeah, yeah. go into that So approach? what is recomposition first? So if, you're, if you have an overweight, a very much overweight client, and they want to get in the best shape of their life, give them abs, it's getting them down to a body fat, down in body fat and building muscle essentially. So, so they can see, you can see the muscle, you can see the abs, okay. essentially. Yeah, 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 so if we're talking from general population, say someone's just starting from scratch so obviously now I, I have a company I've got a team of coaches who work for me so I wanted to develop my own system right what can these coaches follow that will be my system get people results and I had to sit down and, and, and put pen to paper and write what's the best approach so firstly is you never want to take a client straight into a fat loss phase because you don't know their maintenance calories, right? And then they can come back and they don't know what they're eating and stuff like that. So what I do is my first phase is called metabolic optimization. So what I want to do is, right, get a client. And all we need to do is get a starting point. It's like training someone. Get a starting point. Let's see what they can squat. Let's see what they can lift and progress from there. Same in nutrition. So metabolic optimization. What you're trying to do is get calories closer to maintenance. Get them into habits and behaviors of eating protein every four hours. Eating enough food so you know, right, this is enough to fuel that client. And what you get them in metabolic optimization is body recomposition. So there's a difference between body recomposition, fat loss, and muscle gain. Body recomposition, if you have a client and you put them close to maintenance, and then you start exercising them, they may initially lose body fat and, and add a little bit of lean muscle tissue. Now, if you take a client and look at their past dieting history, they may have developed metabolic adaptation because of the way they've been eating before you. 
hence why you wouldn't put them straight in because they've got this metabolic adaptation. So what does that mean? So metabolic adaptation is, say you start going to lower calories, your body's going to adapt to these lower calories and become quite efficient. Okay. And then you've got hormonal changes such as ghrelin, the hunger hormone goes up, leptin, the hunger tells your fill goes down. So you're pretty, the client company with pretty negative, or you, you have to assume that's the way it is. So the metabolic optimization, and trust me, and this is a big one, I've had professional athletes come to me in this phase, metabolic adaptation, foot on the pedal with their training, pushing too hard and underfueling. So what I want to do in metabolic optimization is pull the training back a little bit, fuel, and then the client goes, wow, I feel amazing, wow, I sleep, wow, what's happening, my body looks better. And then they start to film habits and behaviors. Then you could run that two to four weeks, depending on what the client goes. But then back to the psychological reason. If you keep a client, the longer you keep a client at, the better. But psychologically, if you don't push a client and start getting results faster, you'll lose them. Fact. So what you want to do is push them in the fat loss phase then when you got a couple of weeks over. So I always find that the point is around two weeks. And then you got to push them in the fat loss phase. My, my, my opinion is that you should bring a, a, a client down in body fat, lost body fat first, and there's certain ways it's very important to train and match his nutrition. So therefore, what are people doing? They're pushing people into hit cardio circuits on low calorie diets or low carb diets, and we know you oxidize more carbohydrates when you do that type of training, so you want higher carbs in. So, if a client's in body fat phase, we want to incorporate maybe low intensity steady state, we want to incorporate weight training, and we also will have to utilize things like diet breaks, right? And a lot of, like a lot of nutritionists don't do this. And the thing is, is if you're a nutritionist and you put a client in a fat loss phase and that client binges or, or leads to binge and then you fail as a nutritionist, in my opinion, you're not that good because you've just messed them up psychologically. You've just put, so the reason for diet breaks, what, what a diet break is, is you put a client back on maintenance. So if you do a two week optimization phase, you sort of know, right, this is their maintenance calories. So through that diet, you can put them um, on maintenance calories for three days up to two weeks, which gives them a psychological break and may help some hormonal stuff. So it's, diet break is not a cheat day? No, no, no. So this is really important to remember. Every single one of my clients who are on a fat loss phase will have one day a week on maintenance calories. It's not a cheat day. It's flexible. And what we're trying to do there is give them a maintenance calories for one day. We're trying to give them a protein to hit. We're trying to let them flexible. Because what I'm trying to do is start the educational right away for one day on how you can start tracking your own food. And if they know right that one day it can be flexible and track my own food, then that puts start to put them into a good way of getting them in the flexible diet. So for six days, when you say track your own food for one day, for six days they're following your thing like a Bible to the T, dot, 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 yeah. and then the seventh day they've got free reign, but they have to record it, yeah, yeah. and then they have to tell, show you what yeah, it yeah. was. Got but it. over the seven-day period, with the seven, six to low days a month, it's still a deficit. It's still, so fat loss doesn't happen on one day, it happens over seven days, we're putting them in a deficit over the seven-day period. Um, and then eventually, like, you want to train that client so they can be flexible on these low calories. Now, 
in the fat loss phase you have diet breaks so diet breaks you might incorporate if you notice someone has diet fatigue you know someone's going to break you they just might need a break and there's a lot of studies like a matador study has people dieting two weeks on two weeks off so they had two groups i'll explain it quickly two groups dieting one group died for 16 weeks straight another group did two on two off two on two off the two weeks on was a deficit of 30 percent and the two weeks was a diet break the group that did the two on two off over the 16 weeks lost more fat we probably know that was because of adherence right simple as this is where people fail they, they, they lost adherence to the plan if we have a female and this is really important i'll tell all my females when it's a female's time a month and there's so much literature right on this right but everybody's in the vigilance say mark what do you think about females menstrual cycle da, da, da. all my females are different what tends to happen on a high percentage time they have more cravings for three to five days around that time a month so they have a diet break so they're not dieting the full month right then if they have a diet the whole reason for a diet break is they don't binge if you go and eat everything but if you control it and you know right i'm allowed a female's allowed 2000 calories i have to track it they feel quite content um then when you go really more in depth into a plan we talk about carb cycling and stuff like carb cycling meaning having a few days low one day high a few days low physiologically isn't any better than a linear approach but psychologically back to psychological it might be psychologically easier meaning you could put a client on two days lower and top them up with carbs two days lower for me when you have leaner individuals and I, i'm not i've been talking about general population not advanced body composition clients so the leaner the client is the more chance they have to lose muscle the whole purpose with um carb cycling is you may go two or three days low and then you're refilling glycogen in that third day and it's the same athletes if i were a triathlon you know yourself you have to periodize your nutrition around that type of training and if they're doing a zone two or if they're doing a sprint session or at the weekend if they've got a three-hour cycle what do you do the day before you have to care so you have to i believe you have to be very ocd as a coach you have to be ocd and this isn't picking up all right the textbooks say this this has been ocd at seeing what this actual individual needs that's different in every other individual and it's almost helping this client develop a blueprint that works for them do you like carbs before bed does carbs help you sleep yeah great it might not work for someone so there's not a universal rule book to follow you as a coach have to pick this stuff up and just from years and years of learning this is why i'm saying experience is really important as well as scientific research and this is why a lot of coaches work with me because they come and go right mark i know the science already seeing things that aren't matching up they're not adding up with clients what would you do and it's just like a second pair of eyes nor but advice and then that coach that you pick up experience you learn and learn and learn and it's just a cycle you you help more coaches come through the, the industry how do you overcome or work with someone who just will not track their calories um so there's a part of nutrition called mindful eating and portion control um now it's funny because i never really get that if that is the issue i'll write meal plans or so i'll give an example i've got a guy and he wants to get really lean he won't cook he won't track so i just write the plan sounds like me yeah <laughs> but i write the plan i literally tell him right go buy your food and order a fitness feeds this meal go and buy a protein shake and banana this meal right um but if you've got so the thing is i never have clients i believe clients come say i never track is because you just haven't educated them properly 
if you start with a meal plan and all this talk, oh, you're not allowed to, you're not meant to do meal plans, da da da. You can give a non -pres as a nutritionist, a non-prescripted example plan, which is totally fine. Um, and like, there's some great dietitians out there, but there's some diet dietitians that are, and they're absolutely shocking, right? So, um, the thing is, a lot of dietitians who do the sports study, they do performance, are, are really good because they're learning human body. Um, so back to my clients will know they don't have to track forever. There's periods of mindful eating. So when you go on holiday, you're not going to track food. So what is mindful eating? So losing fat or maintaining isn't just about this is your calories, this is your macros. It's also about developing strategies. So for example, if a client's going, right, Mark, I have a big meal on Friday night, what do I do? And my, real, my golden rule is you eat protein every four hours, no matter what. You don't starve, you eat protein. Um, no matter what, no matter what the goal. No matter what, you have protein every four. Because we know protein isn't just for muscle building. It's for it's the most important macronutrient for your immune function, your cells, everything. It's your building blocks. We need protein. So that also improves satiety and also keeps people full. And, and would you let them have a shake or eat? Um, preference. Right. There is absolutely no reason not to include shakes. Shakes are an amazing way. So. 95% of my clients will have shakes or include shakes at some form. I would rather have a client, if they're missing a meal, have a shake and still get their protein. And we, there's so much research. So I'll give an example of a million examples. So I'll give an example. A guy came up and says, um, oh, Mark, I watch a Netflix program. I want to take vegan shakes. And I'm going, right, so you know that your cholesterol's slightly high, your LDL's high, I read his blood work. Yeah, yeah. And I'm going... And you know that the research shows that whey protein can decrease LDL, uh, your, the bad cholesterol. Really? Ah, oh, I'm going back to I'm going back to whey protein because we <laughs> know dairy is anti-inflammatory. So dairy gets such a bad whack on social media saying it's inflammatory. Again, back to crappy science. Only if you're allergic. Exactly, intolerance or allergic. Yeah. So, how much do you reckon the uh, social media is? It got everyone's attention. Everyone's staring at it all half the day. You still people, you see people, guys and girls, who have amazing physiques, and obviously there's the Photoshop and the, that that kind of cheating side of things. But how do you think that the like performance enhancing strategies are diluting the uh, the good knowledge on nutrition? Um, I the, I think it's not about diluting the strategies and what we do to lose fat. What it is is giving general population clients an unrealistic target to go for. So you see this before and after, like 12 weeks, and you go, holy shit. But if you're using anabolic substances, PEDs, performance-enhancing drugs, you're using clenbuterol, everything can speed up. Now, I tell my clients, when I started, in the, in the, when I started bodybuilding, I took whatever I had to take to compete. And I was very lucky because I had a doctor who I trained with was older. And his mentality is my mentality. Mark, I don't condone it, but I'm going to look after your health. I'm going to help you read blood work. I'm going to help you do this and that. So um, when we have an adult and an adult approaches you and says, right, I'm going to do it no matter what, are you better just Did you get, get that? Yeah. Uh, a million times over. Yeah. So what I try and do firstly is encourage or tell them, look, you don't actually need it. How about we try do it without anything? But you're going to get certain athletes or certain bodybuilders, Mark. No matter what you say, um, I'm going to do. 
So for me, I have a responsibility for my knowledge and years of learning. Uh, and my mistakes, trust me, oh my God, there's some things I could look back in. There's some regrets I have from using certain products that I wish I hadn't did. Um, so now I, c I believe that I can help someone being healthier in their mind, in their body, just by giving them advice. Now, I believe that 99% of people, you can talk out of it, and I've done it over and over and over. If you just want a beach body, it's easy to get all, all okay. We have to be OCD in nutrition, training, and you have to explain that. You have to explain that client, and make them aware, right? You've got your individual genetics. It might take longer to do, so you just start on the process. Um, the problem now with social media, and the problem with coaches in general, is they're all just whacking stuff in, getting fast results, and they think they know everything about nutrition thing, and they're just lacking so much, so much. So it's it's like the whole coaching, the whole Instagram is completely watered down. Is it is it that easy to get results on performance enhancing whatever? Like so, the thing is, is yes, it it can significantly increase and speed up results. But everybody has like, I could stand ten people in the room and they're all using stuff, and you probably only think one was on it. Really? Yeah. Yeah, because you've got responders, non-responders, anything we do. And the thing is, is there's so many people using it. And they think using that is, you don't have to follow the nutrition, you get away with stuff. Maybe you can, but it's still down. You need your nutrition. You need the proper nutrition um, and proper training. Now, when we look at the population, it's more like young guys in their 20s, 30s. Yeah. So a lot of my a lot of my clientele, now I'm starting to work, push more 20, 35s, 40s. And when we talk about, there's a huge, huge difference in someone using PEDs and someone needing TRT. Right, okay. So, right, so huge difference. So TRT is if someone's testosterone levels are really low. And this is male and female or? or yeah, both, yeah. both. But they, they, they will go through an endocrinologist. So if I'm gonna look at a, a person's blood work and I've got a 40-year-old CEO, he's stressed out, he's da-da-da, we'll first start a nutritional intervention. I always believe in start nutritional intervention to improve blood work. And what you do is run that for six weeks, get the bloods done again, and have a look at the hormones. Same with thyroid. And then you go, right, something's not right here. They're not, they're not changing the way they should. And then you go, right, I, I think you should go and see an endocrinologist. And I've sort of built up a network since I've been here. And for me, like, it's hard to find good. Yeah. It's hard to find good trainers. It's hard to find good doctors. Yeah. And I have found, uh, I know, like if someone said to me, Mark, name 20 coaches you would recommend. I could tell you, out of what, how many have we got? Thousands and thousands here. Uh, someone says, Mark, I need a good endocrinologist. So they would go to an endocrinologist. Now, low testosterone can negatively impact your health, like um, depression, moods, diabetes, obesity. So we know that a person who is with an endocrinologist, and if they need medication to improve their health, why not do that to improve your health? So this is a whole different ball game than someone looking to use PhDs just for, or PEDs just for um, vanity reasons. How common or prevalent is it in the female training? So this is crazy because female coaches come into the industry and they're very, um, if they go in these certain gyms, they're very, what's the word? Susceptible? Yes, and they're just unaware and unaware of the side effects. And what I've got in the last two just in the last two years alone, I probably worked with about five female coaches. Mark, I need to lose fat, and then when I look in, they were they used P 
PEDs because, number one, they were told it's a faster way to get results. They weren't told about the side effects. So one of the things I looked at is the blood work and the relationship with food is usually terrible because they're also put on uh, chicken and broccoli diet and we know you don't need that. I look and see what you'll find with females, you get estrogen progesterone, you get an imbalance between this and this hormonal lag will need medication to get these females back on on the on the wagon basically and the problem is it's not just about them losing body fat it's about how it's affecting their minds i've been around so many females in the in the last 30 years around competitors stuff like this who've taken something i can i see what happens to females taking stuff um and mentally it's not a good thing so anyway these female coaches are unaware what's actually happened to their hormones so my first thing is right the best way for you to recover is number one, you gotta go to the endocrinologist, and it's usually the progesterone is low, so the endocrinologist put them in progesterone cream. And it's really important that again, nutrition should match training, but also nutrition should match what you're doing with your hormones. So obviously if someone's trying to increase their, their hormones, or if a guy's got low testosterone and he's just under fueling, maybe he just needs to increase his fats, need to increase his fuel, and everything improves. Same with females, so when you're starting hormone replacement, or when you're starting a medication to improve your hormones, you need to be making sure you're eating and you're not in a fat loss phase. So everything's really important. Then over time, these females will recover quite well, and then hopefully they'll, they'll never go back. They, they, they were just so naive. And is it, is, it a, is it a type of steroid or type of thing they're taking, or is it dosed, is it just, it's uh, too it's much of it? I, for females, right, there's different steroids there there's testosterone which is your main male hormone and everything is a derivative of testosterone so basically all steroids yeah okay so they're all steroids all females are and they're all testosterone so all steroids are a type of testosterone so, yeah they're they're made in some form okay off the back of that okay so basically one of the most common ones for females called anavar and it's an oral steroid you take a tablet now we know that oral steroids have a negative impact on liver profile as well. Um, but you have to remember, like... Why is that? Why, why does it affect the liver? Uh, just, it's, it's ca- it could cause long-term liver damage if you stay on a product it's processed, too long. It's kind of it's like yeah, it's, it's like processed in the liver and it's, it's like, right, right, If you right. like alcohol, it's yeah, like yeah, okay. But alcohol's probably worse, by the way. But anyway, <laughs> we'll t- we could talk about that in a minute. Bit of booze and some <laughs> anavar the weekends. <laughs> and they do that. But the problem is, is that the females are unaware that this is actually still a male hormone you're taking and it's just gonna absolutely mess up your your hormones. Now males can recover, but males still have a lag period, so they need to make sure what they do after is really important if they do take it, which I don't recommend, they don't con- condone, but again is like if they go in if they if they go in the gym they're gonna say, I don't care what Mark said, I'm gonna take it and some Muppet is gonna put them on like a bucket load of stuff back to what we were talking about earlier this guy when i wanted to get away from that side of stuff and just work with general population the guy pulled a sheet of paper out of his pocket and asked me what's this list like and it was enough to kill a horse <laughs> basically yeah, wow. crazy so that was the point in my career I, I i realized right i have a just like the doctor who worked with me many many years ago who was my friend you still got a point you've got a responsibility to help yeah. people health no matter what you have to give advice. At the end of the day, it's advice saying, look, I don't recommend you take that. Firstly, I don't condone it. Firstly, I don't think you can take anything. But what if, and I say, well, you probably get away with a quarter of that 
really, really. Right, yeah. And I have worked with people who's been pretty high-level competitors who have used stuff, and they've been on a quarter of the amount of stuff that half the people running around are on. So you got, let's say you've got a celebrity movie. What's his name? Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, yeah. He's just come off the back of some drug dealing movie. Yeah. And now he wants to get back into Avengers 7. Yeah, yeah. He's going to take it. Yeah, yeah. How do we make sure that... There must be a protocol that he can do it safely. Yeah, yeah. So so that exists. It's yeah, not yeah, just yeah. all like doing yeah, yeah. So it, So basically, right, if you look at testosterone replacement therapy, if you go on to get TRT, your bloods are monitored right through the whole process. So basically what happens and, and, and how it happens is when you take a synthetic product, your natural shuts down. But you've got a physiological range, right? You've got a lower end and an upper end. And your physiological range is in that. Now, if you push slightly above the physiological range into super physiological, then you're going to get response. So if these people have their doctors, which they do, is just give them enough to get good response, but not too much to cause crazy side effects. Right. So there's like a little minimum effect of yeah. dose range. So yeah. a lot of the top prep coaches and bodybuilding coaches these days start guys a lot, That's what lot we need, Tommy. Stuff. That's what we need. We'll, 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 we'll get this after. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> you walk around three <laughs> Yeah. Blame, blame Mark. You gave me this big long list. Summer is coming. So basically what's happening summer, is, yeah. obviously when you took any synthetic stuff, your natural pro your natural production will shut down. So then after, what you do is tends to use, uh, it's called PCT, post-cycle therapy, which is things like HCG, Clomet, to kickstart your natural system back in the play. But what's happening these days is there's no such thing anymore as coming off and doing a PCT. Guys will use a cycle, su super physiological levels. Then they'll use what's called a cruise. They'll go back on TRT dose. A TRT dose is testosterone between 125 to 200, 200 milligrams daily to keep you in that physiological range. If you run a cruise and stay in that physiological range, that allows for health markers to come back into play. So guys now are running a cycle for 12 weeks. They're cruising for eight, cycle for 12. They're never coming off. So right. the because I used to live with a, a young bodybuilder, and we were twenty mid mid early twenties, like young lads starting out. Him and his mates used to do it. So I got I, I was in the room with the jargon being talked about, but I didn't understand. I knew, I've heard of PCTs before. Mm. I know you. To my mind, you go on your cycle, you come off it, and you have to take whatever they are to get you back yeah, yeah. on track. You're saying now this cruising thing is a different strategy, and they just yeah, keep yeah. taking it. They just keep yeah, going. Yeah, yeah. So in theory, right, is if, if you're going to go cycle, cruise, cycle, cruise, because if you're going to use a cycle, say, for example, 12 weeks, and if you're going to use an hour cycle eight weeks later or 10 weeks later, there's no point in PCTing. So the, the reason being is someone came to me, right, Mark, I've been using stuff for five years and I want to get off it for good. Then I'm going to PCT because remember, PCT is just a kickstart. So you might have to wait four weeks after the cycle. You might then go PCT which is only kickstarting your natural production, you might need then an hour, two or three months for your natural production to go up. So if someone is using a cycle, PCTM, but going back on a cycle, they're never allowing. So now a cruise is the fact that being on a low dose of testosterone while you're off cycle allows you to maintain the results and get your blood markers back in the healthy range and then go on an hour cycle. In theory, for a competitive bodybuilder who's competing and is high, high level like a Mr. Olympia, then that makes perfect sense. 
but what's happening is a guy is coming in to do one cycle or want to get a beach body and what you'll find and, and this happened to me is you get a psychological addiction to stuff because you get a high off like you're growing you're growing faster than ever you're responding you're getting amazing shape then you come off and you just it's really that noticeable it depends on what you're using um back in back in the day we used to use more stuff now they they, they tend to not use as much stuff so you would have dropped water um and what happens is a lot of guys is they stop stuff and their training goes down the hood and their nutrition goes down so then psychologically going, oh, it's, it's the stuff. It's not, you haven't just been eating correctly and you haven't been training just as hard. You have to keep doing certain things. So it can become psychological where you never come off. Me personally, I did a lot of stuff throughout the years that I'll, I'll use TRT for the rest of my life, which means I need to use some synthet enough to keep me in physiological levels. Well, you I'm 48 next month. Um, but I have a lot of a lot of guys now, thirties, forties, never never touched anything, never done anything with low testosterone. It's just getting worse and worse. You just you reminded that you reminded me there of a story that we I used to know. Um, well, I still know him, Dr. Ramsey Ross here, and he's a performance medicine guy. Okay. He did a study a few years ago where they ran these cyclists through a drug protocol, performance yeah. enhancing. Yeah, yeah put them put one group here's your training block another group here's your training block plus here's your here's how to self-administer um, oh wow whatever they're doing wow and he they put them through the whole process from start to finish the tests the lab the lab whatever examples everything fast forward to the end of this uh through the study the boys were like this is the best stuff ever like yeah, yeah. i'm flying i can't yeah, yeah. believe blah 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 text 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 bosh 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 comes out to the end the control group get a nice little training boost because they've just done a load of hardcore training, knowing that they're in competition with these other lads, so they better keep, keep going. Yeah, but yeah. the other lads have obviously gone through the roof with results. Turns out then the big reveal is they were on saline the whole time. Oh, wow. Yeah. There was no steroids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But they made <coughs> them. They, he said they ran the whole thing from start to finish as if we showed them how to do it. Yeah. We showed them the stuff. They pulled it out of the thing. Mm. They put it in the thing. The whole thing was a test on placebo. Yeah, yeah. And he, he was like, I can't... He w they weren't expect. They were expecting to check the results. Yeah. They weren't expecting the test, the, the text messages, the, the conversations in the middle going, I feel like Superman. Yeah, yeah. Just all of that in the head. Yeah. And his idea was that like... So that then leads him to the, not just think that uh, placebo is a great thing, but for the lads who are on the stuff, they've got like three four times the boost because they're mental they're like we need to train harder because i'm on this yeah, yeah i need to go now i can't i can't cheat because i'm on this i can't do anything because i'm on this and they really smashed their training it was such an interesting thing that that's that level of uh you know you don't even actually need the drugs you just need yeah, to exactly. think you're on the drugs exactly we know the placebo effect is is huge like there's a latest there's a very recent study on caffeine they thought they were in caffeine and they got a, caffeine is an ergo, ergogenic aid helps performance and the people were on not <laughs> false fake caffeine and they were still performing better yeah and, and we know like i i'm very much into mind stuff now i'm very much in the anti-aging mind stuff and there's like for example a guy told called dr joe dispenza mm -hmm. yeah called the book Yard of Placebo. Yeah. And like if you just read the full whack of that book, the start of that book, it gives you all examples, not just in the sporting industry, yeah. but everything else. So we know it's big in the pain uh, world. And even well, these yeah. fat burners, we know fat burners are absolutely useless, but people taking them 
So when we go back to the very start of what we were talking about, psychological far outweighs anything. If someone believe if someone believes something in yeah. their mind, yeah. they're going to surpass uh, everybody. Uh, but that's trying to get them to believe it in the first place. Well, Mark, look, I could talk to you forever on this because this is really interesting. But uh, well, we've all got a busy, busy Friday afternoon now to get off down the Anavar pub and get some <laughs> points into this. You last the wine, really yeah. So I'm livers. actually, I, I'm, I'm just not drinking anymore. I'm off that. Too. Yes. Oh my God. We've had our day. Now yeah. it's now it's longevity, like you said. It's yeah. flip the switch. Hundred percent. So where can people get in touch with you, Mark, or follow you? Or so um, I'm on Instagram, uh, Mark Doherty. I just had to say that properly because it would be Doherty if I was <laughs> so Mark Doherty Coaching. Um, on Instagram, I'm on LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Um, yeah. So the main part is of is Instagram. My um, email and my whatsapp are all there as well um and that's it good anything you want to add tommy thanks a million for coming mark thank yeah, you for uh, having me so much mark Lear- learned a lot there yeah uh, <laughs> if you're uh we'll get you back in sometime again and we'll go into some of that because there's a lot there that i would, would have loved to, yeah. to probe yeah. into yeah there's a whole like huge amount of stuff in the fitness industry yeah we could we could talk about a lot well 100%. let's look forward to it cool yeah, thank you mate thank Cheers, you guys. thanks thank you. mark <laughs>